from Los Angeles, California. This is the Rider Strike Chronicles podcast, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Friday, December 7th, 2007, day 32 of the Rider Strike. Today, I speak with writer Sarah Cunningham at the picket line in front of Warner Brothers Studios. Before I begin, I just need to make this small pitch. Podcasts don't grow on trees. They're mixed late at night so I can scrounge for work during the day. I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life producing a daily podcast for freaking nothing, and I'm starting to have a lot more empathy for the writers right now. At this time, I'm asking you to please support me. Please support independent media. As a member of SAG and AFTRA, this strike is fucking with my rent, my holiday cheer, my health insurance, and my pension too. In order to make a donation, just click on the PayPal tab right near the masthead of my blog, The Rider Strike Chronicles, which can be found at wgastrike2007.blogspot.com. Okay, let's roll sound with Sarah Cunningham. Hi, my name's Sarah Cunningham. Today is December 4th. We went back into negotiations today, Tuesday. I'm a freelance TV writer. I've been freelancing for the last couple of years since I had a baby, and I have a writing partner who also has a baby. And from our perspective, since we've been freelancing, it's been amazing because we've been living off of our residuals, and while they're getting a little bit thinner, and we definitely got the luxury, well, not even a luxury, but being able to spend time with our kids and being home and working sort of our own hours and working in our homes. And if things continue to go the way that, that the studios want them to go, then pretty soon people won't get that luxury. We won't be able to live off residuals if people aren't getting them, because so many people work on shows and now their shows aren't even being rerun on television, they're just being rerun on the internet and without without the residuals that people are used to earning, which keeps you know their lifeblood of the people who are in the middle class in the writer's go of, of whom I'm a very proud member. I mean, I'm just a person who hasn't worked steady for the last couple of years. I did for several years before, but I really came to rely on that money and rely on it coming in to be able to take care of my family. I'm also the main breadwinner in my family and my husband is home with our child and even coming out on the picket line he's still home and my writing partner and I try and come out together every day and he watches both of our kids together you know conflicting nap times and feeding times and everything else so it's hard for everybody in our family and all of our connected families as well we're just trying to get by and trying to protect what we have and keep it going for people who come after us. What's your strategy for surviving excuse me. What's your strategy for surviving the holiday season in terms of, you know, creating a positive experience for your children? God, I you know what, sadly, I wish I could tell you that. I think we're just kind of in a state of denial, honestly. My husband and I decided that we won't celebrate Christmas and it'll be just for our daughter and then we have to kind of go back and regroup and see after a few more weeks of doing this if Maybe I have to bring her with me or my writing partner and I have to switch off so that he has to go back to work and get a job himself, which also isn't easy. He's in the animation industry and with his own really, you know, he has another union as well, but it hasn't really done much for him. 
Uh, can you can you comment on animation in writing and how writers are covered by the guild, if at all? Well, I started my career in working in animation. Uh, my writing partner and I both worked on lots of shows for Klasky Chupo. We worked on Rugrats and Wild Thornberries and As Told by Ginger. And actually, while well, when we started, we there and there still isn't any guild coverage. So we had those jobs, but we were employed by the studio, so we had benefits through them. But we nothing was covered by the guild, so there were no guild minimums. There were no you know, sometimes things that we wrote that other people took a pass on, other people's names would show up on them. So it was just very, there's no one protecting those people and there wasn't anybody protecting us. And while it was a great way to break into the industry for us, I mean, it was like boot camp for writers because we had a deal where we just every day would do something different and they'd say, today you're going to work on this show, tomorrow you're going to work on another show. It, we were happy to do it, but you know, now... I wouldn't want to do that again. I I like working on guild shows. I like knowing that I'm, my pension is going to be taken care of and that my uh, insurance is going to be taken care of. And even this year, my writing partner and I have worked not that steadily, and so we aren't we didn't earn the amount of money that we need to, but we all get to use our points. So we'll still be able to provide insurance for our families until like March, I think, of the following year. So it's crazy. It's a crunch time. I mean, I'd rather be work. I'd rather be a writer with a job, but I'm rather here. than a writer with a picket sign. Exactly. But I'm here because I believe in this, and I believe in what we're doing, and I want. I want to continue to do for my family what I've been doing, and you know, it's cheesy as it sounds. I want other people who come after us to do that too. And I know we owe so much to the people who did this decades before us when. Writers didn't used to get residuals, and someone came out here before us and fought for that, and they fought for a pension and health, and they fought for all those things. And now we're at a crucial time where new media, no one knows what it is, and it's all very new, but all we want is a percent of it. We're not asking for a, you know, a specific amount. We want a percent of what they get. So if it's nothing, then it's a little percent of nothing. And if it's a lot, then it's a little percent of a lot, you know? Completely fair. You mentioned new media. I'm curious about your new media habits. Do you listen? Do you download? Do you stream any new media? And if so, what shows are you watching? Right now, I'm not watching any shows on the internet. Just I'm not doing that. I think just out of solidarity with other writers. I don't want to start watching Desperate Housewives online and you know not being able to fast forward the commercials. But I'm definitely a YouTube watcher and see tons of stuff on YouTube and actually my writing partner and I were working on a project with some we worked doing a lot of kid shows and tween shows and we were working with four girls who are all tweens and we were hanging out with them one day and they spend like their entire day just sharing things streaming things and networking networking but this is the thing on YouTube that we're all watching and this is what we're watching now and this is what we're rating and they they huddle around their computers the way we do around our TVs. And it was really in spending time with kids who, and seeing their viewing habits and seeing how that is, and realizing this really is obviously, duh, you know, this is the future. And this is so important. It just brought it home for me. This is how they watch TV. This is how we will all watch TV. And if we're not careful, then we'll get $250 or whatever the amount was that they proposed for people to have their shows rerun on, on the internet for. You know, it's unacceptable. I don't mean to be rude and correct you about how people are watching TV. I don't mean to be rude at all. But I think 
TV is going to go the way of the radio. I mean, I think the new way of watching content will be the internet. No, I don't. I don't think that's rude at all. It's true. I mean, if there's something, and apparently this technology exists. I don't know anything about technology, but I do know that. Pretty soon, people will say, "This is what I want to watch on my TV. Everything will be on demand, and your computer and your TV basically be the same thing, and they'll be be a hybrid." Yeah, and they'll be exactly a combination that you can say, "I'll plug this into here, and then I'll get to watch it on my bigger screen computer slash monitor slash whatever it is." It's not so far off in the future, and that's a crazy thing. So much has changed. I'm 40 years old. In my lifetime, I went to college and typed papers, and had to, when I made mistakes, used whiteout, you know. And I had now. Did I have, tell, did now, you have an IBM Selectric. Uh, yeah, I did. I well, I think it was like a Smith Corona <laughs> word processor that literally, when it would print my everything that I typed, it would do it character by character. So if I wrote a ten-page uh, paper, I'd keep my parents up all night long with the sound of the pounding of the keys, and it sounds ridiculous. I mean, I sound like a you know eighty-year-old person talking about you kids and your color TV, but really, I mean, technology is always changing. And I'm, and I see it, and I there's things that we have now that we never had, and I, I can't even imagine what is going to happen in another ten years, and another twenty years, and another forty years, another one of my lifetimes. You know, people will have chips in their brain that they'll be able to watch things through their irises or something. Who yeah, the they'll get knows? jacked in. Yeah. Do you have any parting shots before we wrap this up? Just fight the power. <laughs> Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Writer's Strike Chronicles podcast. For more information, visit our blog at wgastrike2007.blogspot.com. 